Section 14 of the Phenomenology of Mind, Volume 2, by George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. Translated by James Black Bailey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. Chapter 6C, Subsection A. The Moral View of the World. Self-consciousness knows and accepts duty as the absolute. It is bound by that alone, and this substance is its own conscious life pure and simple duty cannot for it take on the form of something alien and external when thus shut up and confined within itself however moral self-consciousness is not yet affirmed and looked at as consciousness the object is immediate knowledge and being thus permeated purely by the self is not object but this knowledge being essentially mediation and negativity there is implied in its very conception relation to some otherness and thus it is consciousness this other because duty constitutes its sole essential purpose and objective content is a reality completely devoid of significance for consciousness but again because this consciousness is so entirely confined within itself it takes up towards this otherness a perfectly free and detached attitude and the existence of this other is therefore an existence completely set free from self-consciousness and in like manner relating itself merely to itself the freer self-consciousness becomes the freer also is the negative object of its consciousness the object is thus a complete world within itself with an individuality of its own an independent whole of laws peculiar to itself as well as an independent procedure and an unfettered active realization of those laws it is altogether a nature a nature whose laws and also whose action belong to itself as a being which is not disturbed about the moral self-consciousness just as the latter is not troubled about it starting with the specific character of this sort there is formed and established a moral outlook or point of view which consists in a process of relating the implicit aspect of morality moralisches ansichtsein and the explicit aspect moralisches fürsichsein this relation presupposes both thorough reciprocal indifference and specific independence as between nature and moral purposes and activity and also on the other side a conscious sense of duty as the sole essential fact and of nature as entirely devoid of independence and essential significance of its own the point of view or attitude of the moral life consists in the development of these moments which are involved in the relation of such entirely antithetic and contradictory presuppositions to begin with then the moral consciousness in general is presupposed it takes duty to be the essential reality itself is actual and active and in its actuality and action fulfils duty but this moral consciousness at the same time finds before it the assumed freedom of nature it learns by experience that nature is not concerned about giving consciousness a sense of the unity of its reality with that of nature and hence discovers that nature may let it become happy but perhaps also may not the non-moral consciousness on the other hand finds by chance perhaps its realization where the moral consciousness sees merely an occasion for acting but does not see itself enjoying through its action the success of performance and the satisfaction of achievement it therefore finds reason for bewailing a situation where there is no correspondence between itself and existence 
and lamenting the injustice which confines it to having its object merely in the form of pure duty but refuses to let it see this object and itself actually realized the moral consciousness cannot renounce happiness and drop this element out of its absolute purpose the purpose which is expressed as duty pure and simple essentially implies retention of individual self-consciousness and maintenance of its claims individual conviction and knowledge thereof constituted a fundamental element in morality this element in the objectified purpose in duty fulfilled is the particular consciousness seeing itself as actually realized in other words this moment is that of enjoyment which thus lies in the very principle of morality not indeed of morality in the sense of immediate feeling and sentiment but in the principle of the actualization of morality owing to this however enjoyment is also involved in moral sentiment for morality seeks not to remain sentiment as opposed to action but to act or realize itself thus the purpose expressed as a whole along with the consciousness of its elements or moments is that duty fulfilled shall be both a purely moral act and a realized individuality and that nature the aspect of particularity in contrast with abstract purpose shall be one with this purpose while experience must necessarily bring to light the disharmony between the two aspects saying that nature is detached and apart nevertheless duty is alone the essential fact and nature by contrast is devoid of selfhood that purpose in its entirety which the harmony of the two constitutes contains within it actuality itself it is at the same time the thought of actuality the harmony of morality and nature or seeing that nature is taken account of merely so far as consciousness finds out nature's unity with it the harmony of morality and happiness is thought of as necessarily existing it is postulated for to postulate or demand means that something is thought to be which is not yet actual a necessity affecting not a conception qua conception but existence but the requirement or necessity is at the same time essentially a relation through the conception the existence demanded thus belongs not to something present in the mind of some chance individual consciousness but is implied in the very notion of morality itself whose true content is the unity of pure with individual consciousness it falls to the individual consciousness to see that this unity is for it an actuality happiness as regards the content of the purpose and existence in general as regards its form the existence thus demanded the unity of both is therefore not a wish nor looked at qua purpose is it of such a kind as to be still uncertain of attainment the purpose is rather a demand of reason or an immediate certainty and presupposition of reason the first experience above referred to and this postulate are not the only experience and postulate a whole round of postulate comes to light for nature is not merely this completely detached external mode in which as a bare pure object consciousness has to realize its purpose consciousness is per se essentially something for which this other detached reality exists that is it is itself something contingent and natural this nature which is properly its own is sensibility which taking the form of volition in the shape of impulses and inclinations has by itself a determinate essential being of its own that is has specific particular purposes 
and thus is opposed to abstract will with its pure purpose in contrast with this opposition however pure consciousness rather takes the relation of sensibility to it the absolute unity of sensibility with it to be the essential fact both of these pure thought and sensibility are essentially and inherently one consciousness and pure thought is just that for which and in which this pure unity exists but for it qua consciousness the opposition between itself and its impulses holds in this conflict between reason and sensibility the essential thing for reason is that the conflict should be resolved and that the unity of both should come out as a result not the original unity which consisted in both the opposites being in one individual but a unity which arises out of the known opposition of the two so attained such a unity is then the actual morality for in it is contained the opposition through which the self is a consciousness or first becomes concrete and in actual fact self and at the same time universal in other words we find there expressed that process of mediation which as we see is essential to morality since of the two factors in opposition sensibility is otherness out and out is the negative while on the other hand pure thought of duty is the ultimate essence which cannot possibly be surrendered in any respect it seems as if the unity produced can be brought about only by doing away with sensibility but since sensibility is itself a moment of this process of producing the unity is the aspect of actuality we have in the first instance to be content to express the unity in this form sensibility should be in conformity with morality this unity is likewise a postulated existence it is not there as a fact for what is there is consciousness or the opposition of sensibility and pure consciousness all the same the unity is not a something per se like the first postulate in which free external nature constitutes an aspect and the harmony of nature with moral consciousness in consequence falls outside the latter rather nature is here that which lies within consciousness and we have here to deal with morality moralität as such with a harmony which is the active self's very own consciousness has therefore of itself to bring about this harmonious unity and to be always making progress in morality the completion of this result however is pushed away into the remote infinite because if it actually entered the life of consciousness as an actual fact the moral consciousness would be done away with for morality is only moral consciousness qua negative force sensibility has merely a negative significance for the consciousness of pure duty it is something merely not in conformity with duty by attaining that harmony however morality qua consciousness that is its actuality passes away just as in the moral consciousness or actuality its harmony vanishes the completion is therefore not to be reached as an actual fact it is to be thought of merely as an absolute task or problem that is one which remains a problem pure and simple nevertheless its content has to be thought as something which unquestionably has to be and must not remain a problem whether we imagine the moral consciousness quite cancelled in the attainment of this goal or not which of these exactly is the case cannot very well be clearly distinguished in the dim distance of infinitude to which the attainment of the end has to be postponed just because we cannot decide the point we shall be strictly speaking bound to say that a definite idea on the matter 
ought to be of no interest and ought not to be sought for because this leads to contradictions the contradiction in speaking of an undertaking that at once ought to remain an undertaking and yet ought to be carried out and the contradiction in speaking of a morality which is not consciousness that is which is no longer actual by adopting the view however that morality when completed would contain a contradiction the sacredness of moral truth would be seriously affected and an unconditional duty would appear something unreal the first postulate was the harmony of morality and objective nature the final purpose of the world the other was the harmony of morality and will in its sensuous form in the form of impulse etc the final purpose of self-consciousness as such the former is the harmony in the form of implicit immanent existence the latter the harmony in the form of explicit self-existence that however which connects these two extreme final purposes which are thought and operates as their mediating ground is the process of concrete action itself they are harmonies whose moments in their abstract distinctiveness from each other have not yet become definitely objective this takes place in concrete actuality in which the aspect appears in consciousness proper each as the other of the other the postulates arising by this means contain harmonies which are now completely realized and objective whereas formerly they were merely separated into implicit and explicit immanent and self-existent the moral consciousness qua barren simple knowledge and willing of pure duty is brought by the process of acting upon an object opposed to that abstract simplicity into relation with the manifold actuality which various cases present and thereby assumes a moral attitude varied and manifold in character hence arise on the side of content the plurality of laws generally and on the side of form the contradictory powers of intelligent knowing consciousness and of a being devoid of consciousness to begin with as regards the plurality of duties it is merely the aspect of pure or bare duty in them which in general appeals to the moral consciousness as being of significance the many duties qua many are determinate and therefore are not as such anything sacred for the moral consciousness at the same time however being necessary in virtue of the very nature of action which implicates a manifold actuality and hence manifold types of moral attitude those many duties must be looked on as having a substantial existence and value furthermore since they can only exist in a moral consciousness they exist at the same time in another consciousness than that for which only pure duty qua bare duty is sacred and self-sufficient it is thus postulated that there is another consciousness which renders them sacred or which knows them as duties and wills them so the first maintains pure duty indifferent towards all specific content and duty consists merely in being thus indifferent towards it the other however contains the equally essential relation to the process of action and the necessity therefore of determinate content since duties for this other mean determinate duties the content is thus for it just as essential as the form in virtue of which the content is a duty at all this consciousness is consequently such that in it the universal and the particular are through and through one its essential principle is thus the same as that of the harmony of morality and happiness for this opposition between morality and happiness expresses in like manner the separation of the self-identical moral consciousness from that actuality which qua manifold existence 
opposes and conflicts with the simple nature of duty while however the first postulate expresses merely the objective existential harmony between morality and nature because nature is therein the negative of self-consciousness is the aspect of existence this inherent harmony on the other hand is now affirmed essentially as a mode of consciousness for existence now appears as the content of duty as that in the determinate duty which gives it specific determinateness the immanent harmony is thus the unity of elements which qua simple ultimate elements are essentially thought created and hence cannot exist except in a consciousness this latter becomes now a master and ruler of the world who brings about the harmony of morality and happiness and at the same time sanctifies duties in their multiplicity to sanctify these duties means this much that the consciousness of pure duty cannot straightway and directly accept the determinate or specific duty as sacred but because a specific duty owing to the nature of concrete action which is something specific and definite is all the same necessary its necessity falls outside that consciousness and holds inside another consciousness which thus mediates or connects determinate and pure duty and is the reason why that specific duty also has validity in the concrete act however consciousness proceeds to work as this particular self as completely individual it directs its activity on actual reality as such and takes this as its purpose for it wants to perform something definite duty in general thus falls outside it and within another being which is the consciousness and sacred lawgiver of pure duty the consciousness which acts just because it acts accepts the other consciousness that of bare duty and admits it validity immediately this pure duty is thus a content of another consciousness and is only indirectly or in immediate way sacred for the active consciousness that is in virtue of this other consciousness because it is established in this manner that the validity the bindingness of duty as something holy and absolutely sacred falls outside the actual consciousness this latter thereby stands altogether on one side as the incomplete moral consciousness just as in regard to its knowledge it is aware of itself as that whose knowledge and conviction are incomplete and contingent in the same way as regards its willing it feels itself to be that whose purposes are affected with sensibility on account of its unworthiness therefore it cannot look on happiness as something necessary but as a something contingent and can only expect happiness as the result of grace but though its actuality is incomplete duty is still so far as its pure will and knowledge are concerned held to be the essential truth in principle therefore so far as the notion is opposed to actual reality in other words in thought it is perfect the absolute truth duty is however just this object of thought and is something postulated beyond the actual it is therefore the thought in which the morally imperfect knowledge and will are held to be perfect and since it takes this imperfection to have full weight in which consequently happiness is meted out according to worthiness that is according to the merit ascribed this completes the meaning of the moral attitude for in the conception of moral self-consciousness the two aspects pure duty and actual reality are affirmed of a single unity and thereby the one like the other is put forward not as something self-complete but as a moment or as cancelled and transcended
this becomes consciously explicit in the last phase of the moral attitude or point of view consciousness we there saw places pure duty in another form of being than its own consciousness that is it regards pure duty partly as something ideally presented partly as what does not by itself hold good indeed the non-moral is rather what is held to be perfect in the same way it affirms itself to be that whose actuality not being in conformity with duty is transcended and qua transcended or in the presented idea of what is absolute pure duty no longer contradicts morality for the moral consciousness itself however its moral attitude does not mean that consciousness therein develops its own proper notion and makes this its object it has no consciousness of this opposition either as regards the form or the content thereof the elements composing this opposition it does not relate and compare with one another but goes forward on its own course of development without being the connecting principle of those moments for it is only aware of the essence pure and simple that is the object so far as this is duty so far as this is an abstract object of its pure consciousness qua pure knowledge in other words it is only aware of this object as itself its procedure is thus merely that of thinking not conceiving is by way of thoughts not notions consequently it does not yet find the object of its actual consciousness transparently clear to itself it is not the absolute notion which alone grasps otherness as such its absolute opposite as its very self its own reality as well as all objective reality no doubt is held to be something unessential but its freedom is that of pure thought in opposition to which therefore nature has likewise arisen as something equally free because both are found in like manner within it both the freedom which belongs to external being and the inclusion of this existence within consciousness its object comes to be an existing object which is at the same time merely a thought product in the last phase of its attitude or point of view the content is essentially so constituted that its being has the character of something presented an idea and this union of being and thinking is expressed as what in fact it is that is presentation when we look at the moral view of the world in such a way that this objective result is nothing else than the very principle or notion of moral self-consciousness which it makes objective to itself there arises through this consciousness concerning the form of its origin another mode of exhibiting this view of the world the first stage which forms the starting point is the actual moral self-consciousness or is the fact that there is such a self-consciousness at all for the notion establishes moral self-consciousness in the form that for it all reality in general has essential being only so far as such reality is in conformity with duty and that notion establishes this essential element as knowledge that is in immediate unity with the actual self this unity is thus itself actual is a moral actual consciousness the latter now qua consciousness presents its content to itself as an object that is as the final purpose of the world as the harmony of morality with all reality since however it represents this unity as object and is not yet a complete notion which has the object as such in its grasp this unity is taken to be something negative of or opposed to self-consciousness that is the unity falls outside it as something beyond its actual reality but at the same time of such a nature as to be also existent 
though merely thought of this self-consciousness which qua self-consciousness is something other than the object thus finds itself left with the want of harmony between the consciousness of duty and actual reality a reality too which is its own the proposition consequently now runs thus there is no morally complete actual self-consciousness and since what is moral only is in the long run so far as it is complete for duty is the pure unadulterated ultimate element an sich, and morality consists merely in conformity to this pure principle the second proposition runs there is no morally actual existence at all since however in the third place it is a self it is inherently the unity of duty and of actual reality this unity thus becomes its object as completed morality but as something beyond its actual reality and yet a beyond which still ought to be real in this final stage and last expression of the synthetic unity of the two first propositions the self-conscious reality as well as duty is only affirmed as a transcended or superseded moment for neither of them is alone neither is isolated on the contrary these factors whose essential characteristic lies in being free from one another are thus each in that unity no longer free from the other each is transcended hence as regards content they become as such object each of them holds good for the other and as regards form they become such that this interchange on their part is at the same time merely in idea is merely ideally presented or again the actually non-moral because it is at the same time pure thought and elevated above its own actual reality is in idea still moral and is taken to be entirely sufficing in this way the first proposition that there is a moral self-consciousness is reinstated but bound up with the second that there is none that is to say there is one but merely in idea in other words there is indeed none but it is all the same allowed by some other consciousness to pass for one end of section fourteen